flashback. Who's that dancing to the latest? Suave on the greatest. Oh, he sure is moving me. That's what I said, though you didn't know it. All of it was kismet, so to be made history. So you don't have no doubt, I'm gonna spell it out. I'll hip you to the T that is. I got the best, the most, a baby coast to coast, and I don't wanna boast. I love you, Square Biz. I'm talking Square Biz to you, baby. Square, Square Biz. I'm talking love that is. Square, Square Biz. I'm talking Square Biz to you, baby. Square, Square Biz. I'm talking love that is, that is, that is, that is. Square Peace. Tina Marie. Mm. My porcelain auntie. The Tina. The Tina Marie. We love she. Indeed. Praise the Lord, niggas. Praise mm. the Lord, niggas. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to uh, the Quarantine Chronicles Corona content. We are <laughs> reporting to you live from the bunker. We are... Um, we are here to talk about the scam that is adulting the year of our Lord uh 2020 uh the good the bad the ugly the test the trials the twists the turns the temptations the taxes and the national lockdown <laughs> of <laughs> of being uh, uh, uh you know a real life adult in the in in the age of corona <laughs> in this time in this time what what a time I almost feel like we shouldn't even ask each other how we are anymore. Like, I mean, I, don't... I just, I just, I just, I think we should just say, I'm glad to see you, sis. I'm glad, I'm to, glad to see you I'm glad here. glad that we have made it to the kitchen table for another week, uh, you know, out here navigating the world. Um, I'm yeah. grateful you're practicing social distancing. I too am grateful that you and your family are practicing social distancing because the world is literally a petri dish right now. Uh, we are just all just, just big ass school. It is we just are walking swabs. It is really disgusting. It's not lost on me that my grandfather says the whole world is a hospital and everybody in it is sick. I mean, I think that those are some very wise, wise <laughs> words. <laughs> Because the, he meant it a different way, but it's, it's, the truth it's all applying. The, the truth of the matter is, man, <laughs> I mean, you know, shout out to everyone who is, uh, you know, holding it down. It is it is we're living in an unprecedented time. Never in my life yeah. did I think that I would be literally confined by a political mandate, <laughs> legislative mandate to my home. Um and while I appreciate and I'm very grateful for this little glorified dorm room that dorm room that I call mm. my humble abode, I'm very grateful and, and safe here. I'm grateful for the opportunity to work from here and live from here in safety. You know, it is just really it's 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 interesting, right? And I'm I'm grateful because I recognize that things could be much, much worse. And I know mm -hmm. that there are people who are navigating different circumstances that uh, you know, are challenging in their own right. Um I, I have to say, you know, I have to be honest and acknowledge that, you know, this has been difficult and it's been impacting me in ways that I didn't anticipate, right? So just kind of mm. like the anxiety that I'm just living in this like heightened sense of, of, you know, anxiousness all of the time. Um, and, and I've, and it feeling that uh, the exhaustion that comes from carrying, carrying that around all the time, has kind of been weighing on a G. 
um, and and yeah. figuring out how to how to keep my mind in the right perspective in the right place and my mind in the right place. It's just been it's just been it's been a, a time. It's been a time. But how are you yeah. managing? I know that you you are managing a full and I'm just in here with Maurice and you have a whole husband and a child. So let me know what's going on with you, sis. Wow. I'm just, you know, trying to keep my head, go to the bathroom by myself and like, <laughs> you know, sit down for 10 minutes in between meals. It's like every time you turn around, this nigga's like, are you, can I have lunch? I'm like, you just <laughs> ate breakfast. You just ate breakfast three hours ago. <laughs> it is time for lunch, but I still be getting irritated. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep my head. It's, you know, difficult, difficult times for everybody right now. Um, my husband's hours were cut. You know, he's a teacher and they cut them and he's been dealing with that after they've done a full week of facilitating and organizing and so forth and so on. I was telling Kia before the show, had parent teacher conferences, assured all the parents everything was going to be fine and then cut the hours the next day. Wow. Which is crazy because it's like you, you got the teachers out here looking crazy to parents. And on top of that, it's stressful to the household and it's like, all right. You know, at least you were going to be getting this very small paycheck because you are a teacher uh, while we were going to be at home, you know, and thank thank God I was already recording remotely. Um, Mm -hmm. But outside of that, you know, all my events have been canceled, all all our live shows and and my other live shows and Mm -hmm. dinner parties and all kinds of shit and everything's up in the air and I don't know what's what, but we're all there. So. You know, but let's get to some trash. I tried to keep as much uh, COVID talk off of the trash as I could. So let's mosey on over there. Absolutely. All right. So let's get into some basura. Okay. So... (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, Lord. I'm sorry. I'm doing that thing where you tell a joke and you laugh before you could even get it out. This is not a joke, though. Did you watch, happen to watch at all, any of the uh, Madam C.J. Walker series on Netflix? Yes, I, yes, I did. Oh, did you know? <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. What'd you true. think about it? Well, you know... In the in the interest of rooting for everybody black, <laughs> I will say that I I I recognize the um, the fact that you know anytime there are a collective of black people coming together to produce a project and it is garnering kind of that mainstream attention and working with a partner as big as Netflix, I think that's something to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. Um, I also feel like Madam CJ Walker is absolutely um, an icon for women of color, for women entrepreneurs uh, who has made an indelible impact Mm -hmm. as a millionaire and philanthropist and businesswoman um, and I, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, any, any occasion that we have to celebrate her life is one that we should take. Okay, um, that's so lovely. And diplomatic. I think that, that, you know, I, so I commend, I commend the team for, for that. 
Now, I I I did watch <laughs> the the miniseries <laughs> in its entirety. Mm. And I will say, I'll try to say this as, like you said, as diplomatically as possible. There were many creative liberties taken. (laughs) You know what I mean? So there was the truth and then there was what was produced. Yeah. Um, And I have my own kind of, you know, I find the older I get, I'm turning more and more into Freddie Brooks. Because I I was talking to my friends (laughs) about this and I was just like, I I, I heard myself use the word trope. <laughs> oh yes, I love a trope. I was like, yo, I'm just, you know, I just feel like we we are constantly bombarded with these kind of tropes and narratives about what it means to be black in America. And I can't help but wonder if this is the only way that white folks see us since these kinds of themes end up in every story, even if they're not true. Like we just find ways yeah. to enter. <sighs> Yeah. The same kind of salacious love and hip hopery of it all into these stories, and and you know, you know there are there are those I, I saw many many people on my timeline. I feel like I'm talking a whole lot. I'm gonna shut up. There are many people on my oh, timeline who thought it was amazing and they really thought it was great. And I feel like oh, you know, wow. you know, y'all have that right. You know what I'm saying? I think cool. I'm not gonna say it was terrible. I'm not gonna say I feel like in terms of production and. And quality, we were far and away above, you know, uh, Tyler Perry's last Netflix production. So we're doing well. We're doing better. Sure. Um, But there were some things about it that I did take issue with. Things about Mm it, you know. And I mean, and and just a few quick Googles will actually just kind of expose where the inconsistencies are. Um, Um. Which was a little bit for me, right? It was a little bit like, oh, I feel like people who make movies, um, you know, there's just an art form to making movies. Everyone who can make a movie, like can afford to do it. Everyone who has the the, the um, relationships and the uh, connections to make a movie <laughs> uh, does not mean that you should make a movie. Mm, that That's part. all I'm saying. Yeah. That part. Yeah, there were some inconsistencies. I for one had no clue about this uh this this colorism within the black community narrative between Madam CJ Walker and um I forget what her real name is. So it was like her name is Annie Turnbull or something like that. With the yes. the, ca- the character Adam the character a, the character Ad- was named Adamay whatever, but it was based yes, but it's it's based, she was based off based of Annie on Turnbull. Someone named Annie Turnbull. Um, so I did. I don't think that was the. the that was not the truth at all. I don't think that was the from truth, and I, I was like, well, I learned, if this is not true. the truth. It's already like I already understand the vantage point of a lot of black people who are like, I don't want to see any more slave stories. I don't want to see anything where black people are downtrodden. I'm tired of seeing it. Like, I understand where those people are coming from when they say things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I so. But I also (laughs) I also, so I can understand if that was the story, even somebody being like, yo, but I'm tired of seeing stuff like that. But if y'all were just going to like create fiction within nonfiction, make it up. Like, you know what I'm saying? You could have just not done that. (laughs) I was like, it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. And it's just like, to me, it was unnecessary when there was so 
many more perspectives and stories and and actual realities of Madam C.J. Walker's life that would make for great TV, would make for a great, like, like you don't have to make up her story. Her story was just compelling and captivating and, and just as, as, as entertaining as mm-hmm. what, y'all, what y'all made up, if not more. So to me, it was just kind of like, you know, it's a little, it's a little annoying that we have to continue, continuously be bombarded with these same old stories, right? Um, and it's like, how many, how many times are we yep. going to have to contend, contend with, with, uh, with, with the likes so, of them? Right. So there was that whole overall narrative that I was irritated about. And then mm-hmm. those motherfucking boxing scenes, like I hated everything <laughs> about those boxing scenes. The very first moment that they showed up on the screen, I said, what the hell is that? It was, to me, it was hokey. It was childish. It gave very much PBS, like Sesame Street. It cheapened, outside of the fact that y'all just straight up lied, it cheapened everything. And, 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 I felt like, now, this is not from someone who does not enjoy musicals, because I think I, 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 musical theater was one of my minors. So, I mean, this is not, this is a part of something that I really do enjoy and I value. And I think that there's a whole culture and contribution to that space. I just Mm -hmm. don't know where these kind of dancing figures fit into the Madam CJ Walker story. And to me, it was almost trivial. It was like, it was trivializing what, what was happening. Um, And I think like all of the mess and all of the, uh, you know, the cheating and the, and you know, the gambling, the running numbers and all that stuff. And yeah, I feel like that just kind of, to me, detracts from, from what the real, the real stories that we should be focusing on. I'm just like, man, yeah, man, like, like, I was like my sister Octavia is too good for this. And I mean, I mean, it was, it was just really surprising because this was, she was one of the executive producers. So it was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so it's like, okay. Um, maybe you should maybe you should just And, act. The, and the, the person who directed Cassie Lemons, who I believe directed Harriet. So I mean, I was looking forward to this. Which I being, still never saw. It's really good. Like I had I didn't see it until recently. I watched it on a plane recently. Um but yeah, I was expecting, you know. <laughs> something I was else. expecting I was expecting something else. Same. Now, like I said, I don't think it was horrible. I don't think that it was like, oh God, don't ever watch it again. But um, to me, I felt like there were some missed opportunities. And as someone who was a, a little bit familiar with the Madam C.J. Walker story growing up, mm-hmm. you know, you know, in Westchester County, not far from the house and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it was it was it was clear. It was like apparent that they were taking these creative liberties, and I'm just like, and yeah. literally, if you do some very quick googles, you find very quickly it's like, oh, okay, well. But again, was, you know, it made for some good quarantine, uh, you know, something to watch. So if you have not watched it, I'm not encouraging you not to watch it. I think you should watch it and form your own opinions. I think we should support it. <laughs> I am not yes. bashing it. I'm I'm just saying that, you know, I think that as consumers, we have the right to be critical because y'all criticize everything else. So I think we can have fair conversation about it. 
Um, and it doesn't mean that we are hating or bashing or even hating on the people who liked it. Because if you did, hey, more power to you. I'm just saying that for me, Listen, they could have done things a little differently and I'd have been all right. There were people who liked Godzilla. I thought it was the worst movie of all time. So hey, we're all allowed. Two things we're to We're all be true. allowed to. That's it. We're all allowed to our opinion. Um, Angelica Ross. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Angelica Ross, <clears throat> if you don't know who Angelica Ross is, Angelica Ross um, was on the hit series Pose. I'd heard a little bit about this. Felicia told so, me. Shout out to Fee. Hey, Fee. Hey, Felicia. I saw Felicia in the dance party last night. But, oh, yes. Um, we were all having a time time. A blast. So Angelica, you know, posted during this quarantine time that she was sad that she could not be with her man at the time and posted a pic, posted a couple pictures of her and her man together. My Lord. Well, the internet got to internetting. I mean, as it and always does. As, as it does. And they swiftly informed her <laughs> that her man was engaged with My a Lord. child. My Lord, what a time. So... I guess, you know, with that with that swift response and information, you know, my girl did her good digging and she popped up with a tweet that said, just got off the phone with his fiance mm. and the mother of his child talked for hours. Maybe I'll get on Instagram live later. I don't believe she and spill the tea later. I don't think she got on and went into full detail. I hadn't seen any updates on that, uh -huh. but I was like. Oh, okay. Well, here's a little bit of drama that's that's not COVID related. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's I think, she, I, I think Angelica took it in stride. I she think did. It was, she it did. Was an, uh, it was an opportunity. I think it was you know a sign of maturity. And Absolutely. it's just like you know these are the things you know we have to contend with. This is the age that we live in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yes. you know, unfortunately, there are a few of us who can say that we don't we can't relate. <laughs> Relatable content for many, many of us. So, amen. I just want to know, like, did this nigga not know he was, like, creeping with the star or... I mean, you have just got to... I think we have all got to just contend, come to grips with the fact that, like, these niggas, niggas gonna just, nig. They just out here do, being themselves, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and niggas gonna with nig. reckless abandon. They just have, they just have no... Right. They have zero It's just cares. not gonna change. You right. No. You I mean, right. We should, all, we should all meter and adjust our... Uh, <laughs> Our expectations accordingly. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right, sis. <laughs> I mean, it's just, at, at this point, it's like, girl, just get your house. Get your house in order. Um, So Ari Lennox was doing one of her, you know, infamous lives. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and this one, this one worked in her favor, huh? This one worked in her favor because oh, my girl was going on and on about her solo date and, you know, bashing herself and calling herself lonely and sad and all these other things. And Lakeith Stanfield and his dirty fingernail slid up in her um, in, in her comments and asked her out <laughs> on a date. Said, well, I mean, let's go together. Isn't that something that a nigga named Lakeith would do? Lakeith <laughs> with dirty fingernails. I celebrate it. <laughs> I think it was awesome. I thought it was cute. And what was even cuter was after Lakeith slid up in her comments and publicly asked her out, she was like, you're not even serious right now, but my girl got flustered. Okay. I mean, she tried I'm so to glad. switch. <laughs> 
It was really cute, actually. She tried to switch the subject and talk about her new home studio that she created and could not focus for the life of her because she she was giggling. She even turned the camera away. You can see that big ass cheese. She was giddy. She was giddy as fuck. So I thought that was super cute. Um, Agreed. Andrew Gillum. So we spoke a little bit about Andrew Gillum last week. Well, pictures of his hotel room were exposed. Um, I don't even really know how to feel. Um, Yeah, because... I don't know. I feel like it's too early for for us to say... I I mean, anything outside of, you know, I'm just praying for his His wife and and their children and and his family. Because I just feel like... And I, I mean, no, I know we say this in jest all the time, but I really, I really, really will hope that we will respect them during this difficult time. Um, because for, I can only at least imagine. for her and the kids. Yeah. It's like, um, I, I don't think I could imagine what, what having to oof. deal with something like this would feel like as a partner and a yeah. parent. Yeah. I have thoughts, but with the thought that I have, I'm not going to say because it's not nice. I just feel like we have to wait. I feel like if we just wait, then information will become available when it's supposed to. Hopefully, I guess I should hope that because something about this is just not adding up. The math is not mathing. Well, so that's what I want. So, again, I told you last week, you know, I wasn't all the way. Not I'm not going to say shocked and surprised because that was a scandal, Mm -hmm. but I. More so the mention of meth, I wasn't surprised about that because I've, you know, because of what I'd known about black people, some black people and their meth usage. However, um, so pictures of the hotel room were released Mm -hmm. and you don't have to go look at the pictures, but, you know, it was pictures of him were released. Pictures of him were released and pictures of the actual room were released Mm. with a lot of empty beer bottles. And they said they found a couple bags of the. That's where my concern came in because I said, well, who just, this looks like a SVU stage crime scene. Like who, outside of like some of the disturbing details that I won't go into that were in the room, you've got empty Corona bottles. Okay, fine. You found a couple bags of meth. Okay. That's related to the story, but still question. I'm always, I'm always questioning when police find bags of drugs. That's just, as a black person, that's just where I'm at. But then the way those pills were strewn about really gave me cause for concern. Mm. I was like, that looks really staged. However, I don't know. Like you said, it's very soon and I, I, I was not there. I don't know the details, but I know something in the milk isn't clean. But I also right don't feel like this is a completely innocent situation. The people whose wedding he was supposed to officiate did speak out and say that he never showed up for the wedding. My Lord. So oh, he was supposed to officiate. He was supposed to officiate a wedding. My and he goodness. never showed up to the wedding. So, you know, this whole story is just it's 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 a, no, he was officiating. So that kind of changes things up a little mm. bit too. Um, but we'll see where it goes. I do, again, like Kia said, we pray for the family, for his wife, and for his three children because this cannot be an easy situation to deal with at no. all. Um, and she's already mourning in a way, in her own way, you know, the loss of what was of her relationship. We don't know what her decisions are going to be, but whatever the relationship was, I can guarantee you it ain't that no more. 
even if she chooses to stay, well, you know, it's think, you know, something like this, something is going to shift. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, like he said, let's try to be respectful of his family. Um, and, you know, it just really sucks. Charmaine from Black Ink Crew Chicago had her baby. Oh, congratulations. Congrats to her and her husband, Neek. Um, and last, oh, also, if you are concerned about your taxes, I'm sure you already know because everybody is in the house and on their phones, but <laughs> your tax deadline was extended three months. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To people like myself. We said hallelujah. Oh. <laughs> Come on, praise. Right? And look at me. And Crystal Mason. So I, we spoke about Crystal Mason. Um, I think a couple months back, Crystal Mason had a very BS case where she was, uh, she was um, arrested for and convicted for illegally voting. She was a felon and voted and did not know that she couldn't vote. So uh, some of the updates are it the legal team, basically the prosecution basically was like, well, it doesn't matter if she didn't know. Whoa. And furthermore, um, so they said it didn't matter if she didn't know. She so she she uh, she appealed her case. They denied her appeal. They also didn't count her vote. So you don't count the lady's vote. You put her in jail for, for mad years because they gave her a very severe punishment. Put her in jail for mad years. Then say it doesn't matter if she didn't know. We're going to keep her in there for mad years. Like wow. this justice system is just absolutely disgusting. And I know we, are, we, you know, we see it time after time after time. But um, her appeal was denied. So prayers up for Crystal Mason. Um, and that's our that's our trash this week. A heaping, stinking load of trash. Stinking pile. Tried to keep COVID all the way out of it. <laughs> Let's get to a nice shout out though. My sister's popping right now, like. Okay, so our shout out this week is a friend of mine by the name of Ironica, and Ironica is based out of um, Atlanta. She's from New York, but she's based out of Atlanta. And this is from her page, Needle and the Bell. Ironica, so she has a couple different pages. Uh, Ironica B. Cole. There's also um, the Crunchy Mommy and then Needle and the Bell. And she sews. She makes all her own clothing. She, you know, she's a, a, a stay-at-home mother. She offers a lot of, like, different tips and tricks and and products and things like that that are wonderful for stay-at-home moms, moms in general, families in general, um, but this particular time she posted on Instagram. So I'd like to read the post. She said, times are hard. Morale is low. And if you struggle with mental health, it can hit you harder than most. During these times, look for helpers. Look for the people who want to do good. They're the ones to focus on. Today is dedicated to making masks. Yes, I know that they won't protect anyone against the virus, but there's something. There's a pocket in each mask. I make sure for filters or to protect existing masks. I'm doing what I can to help. And if you're interested, there's a tutorial on the Facebook page for Needle and the Bell. We've got to take care of each other, friends. So I wanted to shout out Ironica because of this initiative. Um, I know we're all talking about staying home and 
trying to do our small part, but I thought it was really dope that she put her skills to use and um, she's got these masks and she tried to be very mindful in the creation of those. So I wanted to shout her out this week. I'm going to tag Needle in the Bell as well as the Crunchy Mommy in the description box. So you all can check them out and check out those tutorials on how to make your own mask. And I'm not sure if she's going to put them up for sale, but there are other items up for sale that she hand makes as well. So we want to um, a support black business, especially during times like these, because we're getting hit really, really hard. And um, and also, you know, shout out the ones who are doing something for the community. So that's our shout out this week. Absolutely. I want to add on if I can. Um, Please. While you were talking, I was inspired. So last week, Team Typing Fast hosted a live with uh, Miss O'Connor uh, yes! of, of Kinder in the City, who we had an awesome conversation. And I'm going to post highlights on my Instagram this week. But we had an awesome conversation that was targeted at parents who are now tasked with homeschooling their children and managing the anxieties and stresses that come along with that. And Miss Sophia uh, mm. O'Connor, who is a uh, school teacher with over 10 years experience, and she is actually a coach in her school um, with, as, with respect to math, offers some really awesome lessons. We had some other educators from different um, grade levels come in the conversation as well. We had some great, great, great um, discussion about what are some of the things that parents can, uh, can do and what are some things that they should be thinking about. Um, with regard to homeschooling and kind of creating learning environments within their home uh, while we're mm -hmm. all social distancing. Um, and I wanted uh, Miss Sophia O'Connor of Kinder in the City, I know it's uh, posted recently like a, a at-home kind of distance learning plan. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to put in some, and she made some other sort of like resource lists of some online websites that people can use parents can use to access different um, learning resources and activities for their children um, while we are staying at home during this time. So I wanted to shout her out and I will absolutely be uh, leaving her social media handles in the um, description box for you guys to check out. Um, absolutely. Please, please, please uh, check it out and see um, and just kind of listen. You won't be sorry. There were some great, great resources and lots of these things were free or very low cost, but most of them were free. Um, and I think it would be useful. I saw a need and people were really just complaining and freaking out about having, have, having to homeschool their children and talking about they were expelling their kids from homeschool. Um, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was a really good conversation and I'm hoping that we can continue to have more of these discussions on, um, online, especially while we're practicing social distancing and supporting each other, um, you know, you know, during this, this difficult time. And supporting the babies because we got to remember that the babies are, they, you know, they hear us talking and they don't fully know what's going on, but they can feel that the energy ain't right. They know they're not seeing their friends. They know they're not at school and they can also feel when things are not right. So we got to, you know, try to try to do things for them as well to try to keep them together because they may not express their stresses the same way that we do, but you, they definitely feel it. And they are stressed, right? In their own in their own yeah. way. They are stressed and their stress doesn't manifest in the ways that our stress manifests. But it's right. just awesome to just have these I mean, it's it's helpful to have these conversations and really process out, out loud with your kids to just make sure yep. that everyone is understanding and everyone feels safe to kind of just express where they are and what they need. Noah expressed herself. She said 
you know, because I have to keep reminding her that she can't see her friends right now. And, you know, I don't know when I don't think I don't think school is coming back in session this year. Um, you know, unfortunately, the dance recitals going to be canceled. And I had to try to explain it not to incite fear, but just so you understand some things are going to change. But it's for the betterment of the future and, you know, hopefully to keep everybody safe and healthy. But she tells me she was like, so, oh, no, that's what it was. I told her about school. I explained all that to her. And then we started talking about her dance recital because she didn't realize that dance is canceled right now. She she's she thought she was just missing dance. Mm. So she was like, she goes, so why didn't I go to dance? I said, because dance was canceled. Let me guess why. Because coronavirus. I said, <laughs> yeah. She said, I hate the coronavirus. I'm tired of it. I, I was like, sis, sis, we all are. We really <laughs> all it, are. But that's, that's like, that's what we have. We have to allow the babies. We have to try to explain the best we can without inciting fear, but also being honest and also allow them their time to express their frustration. She had a crying breakdown the other day because she was sad she would, can't see her friends and all of that. You know, we're trying to set up Zoom calls and things like that. But, you know, in person and have playdates and go to school. And I had to let her have that moment of being sad because she... She's a child. She deserves that. And we're all sad. And I was so, I had my moment to being sad today. Girl. Uh, I scheduled <laughs> a good cry, honey. I said, I said, well, I got I got between three and four o'clock to just have my little fit if I need to have it. Gonna um, have one last cry. Because one I mean, this is cry. all it's very frustrating. Um yeah. because a lot of this is just beyond our control and it impacts us in ways. And we can't move. You know, usually when something is wrong, we can fix it. When something is not where it's supposed to be, we can make Mm -hmm. the necessary changes. We can, you know, make the right phone calls and find what we need. But, you know, that's just not the case anymore. Um, And and there's this threat. There's this looming threat, uh, you know, to our safety that's literally outside. And it's like, wow. So, I mean, that's a lot to process. So I've been trying to give myself grace around that processing time as well. Absolutely. Me and my boss had a very candid conversation today. Like, um, she was like, you know, I really have all in, I get up with all intentions of having, you know, this is what my to-dos are and this is how I plan to be productive. But, you know, these things just come at me all day long and I have to adapt Mm -hmm. and I'm distracted and I can't focus and I can't get anything done. And I was like, I I just want to thank you for, (laughs) for that transparency because you have now created the space that I needed to say that I haven't having those struggles and that, that there's nothing wrong with me for feeling like, dang, like, you know, I'm not moving at the same speed and with the same level of productivity that I once was. And it's not me. Right. It's just like this is we are living, like I said, in an unprecedented time and nobody knows how to do this. No. (laughs) So so, um, we'll talk talk a little bit more about that in black women's self-care. But yeah, we're all trying to get through it. But shout out to uh, shout out to ones like Sophia, Miss O'Connor, who is, you know, trying to do their part and helping the community to kind of get through this, navigate through this. We know there are many people who are doing things like that. Um, Ironica, shout out to everybody. My homeboy, Drew, here in New York is doing um, grocery store runs and errands for anybody 65 and older. Um, So... 
you know, we got people out there who are trying to do their thing and, and we want to shout them out and celebrate them, especially now, because now is not the time for us to be hating on each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, so say it's it. like, we always ask you and encourage you guys to send your shout outs every week and you guys are awesome about that, but specifically as we are kind of navigating this time and if there are people in your circles in your lives that you are know that you know are taking on these kind of projects and doing this kind of work that is specific to um you know helping and supporting mm-hmm. and uh you know pitching in i think all of our talents are are used are useful right and have utility like no matter what it is that you're good at you can find a way to contribute so if there's something that you know that you know that you're doing or someone that you that you know of that is doing awesome work and you want us to highlight them um on on our on uh shout out to my sister we'd be happy to do that just please continue to send in your shout outs to getting grown podcast at gmail.com and I guess, uh, are we done since we can move on to the case? Oh, there's case also course? a contact form on gettinggrown.co. Oh, uh, yes, co. So don't forget to look in the description box. The link to the website is there. Also the email if you want to hit us directly, but it all it all gets filtered the same way. So uh, hit us up. Yeah, let us know if there's people you want to shout out who are especially doing things during this time. We'd love to We'd love to hear about it and we'd love to shout them out. But yeah, let's move on to this kitchen table talk. Okay, okay, okay. So there are ways to use your phone other than uh, to escape reality, other than Instagram or Twitter, because I know we are all scrolling for dear life right now. (laughs) So you can play Best Fiends. Best Fiends is unlike any other puzzle game out there. They update the game monthly with new levels and events so it doesn't ever get old. And you don't need the internet to play. So if we are in the middle of an apocalypse and we all happen to lose the Wi-Fi, you will still be good. It's perfect for traveling as well, but there's nobody's going anywhere right now. You might be asking, what is Best Fiends? Like, what is it, right? So here's a little story. The slugs are taking over the world, right? And they're munching a path through minutia and sliming everything up that they touch. But a brave band of heroes is fighting back. Left alone when the slugs conquered most of the minutia, these unlikely champions are on an epic quest to solve the mystery of Mount Boom and beat back the slug advance. To get to Mount Boom, they'll need to become the best fiends. So that's a little, just a little tidbit about what best fiends is. So it's unlike any other game. You don't need internet. You don't need any of that. All you need is your phone. Best Fiends has thousands of levels already with new levels, events, and characters added every month. It's hours of fun right at your fingertips, and you can even play offline. With over 100 million downloads and tons of five-star reviews, Best Fiends is a must-play. I've been playing this since I've been up in this house when I need something to get my mind off of everything. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. You know, Key and I were having some trouble coming up with the kitchen table talk today because you know if 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 you didn't know about adulting before in the last 3 years we've been talking about it i guarantee you that it punched you in your face somewhere somehow in the last couple Suck weeks so we were like all right niggas don't want to talk about how to have difficult conversations <laughs> or we're or, all di- like you know we're all in it right now right? we're literally all in this fog and this haze together this fog and this haze and you know so we were like what what can we do so you know we like to keep it light and it now more than ever is the time so i found this little article and it's really for people who are um 
they like it's for your crush or like when you all go on a date it's 20 cr- questions to ask your crush during a, during a date or whatever now mm-hmm. this can in two ways this can help a we bring in the podcast <laughs> we're gonna keep it light we're gonna have fun with it and we'll get to know a few things about each other in the meantime and you all get to know things about us but also you know I guarantee you a bunch of y'all have virtual dates right now. I know. Antoinette <laughs> <laughs> hit me up and she was like, niggas I ain't even heard from is hitting me up asking I mean, for FaceTime Social distancing <laughs> is bringing out a new side of these of niggas. Creativity. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the niggas are literally jumping in comments. Like if you if you comment on the live and somebody else's live, like you just might, you might bump into a DM. Like oh, somebody... Some babies you know and some saying? relationships are definitely getting ready to come out of this. Okay. So we thought it would be fun to do this and also jot some of them down because if you all are having these virtual dates and you running out of stuff to talk about and you don't want to talk about COVID, these are some nice conversation starters for you to get to know, um, get to know one another. Or if you're doing friend, you know, friend Zoom meetings and you guys are trying to Happy hours, like virtual happy hours. You guys can just, we're having, these are some conversation starters amongst friends. So I'll start it off. Okay. Have you ever dined and dashed? I feel like I have absolutely threatened to do it. Okay. Let me think. Let me think. I can't right now think of a time where I, but you know I'm old. If I sit here long enough, I might be able to. Oh yes! But right now I'm. I definitely. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. <laughs> um. <laughs> I feel like there was a time when I was with a group of friends and we were at a restaurant and we got really poor, poor service. Like the wait that they were really busy and the wait the waiters just didn't come back. Um, and I felt like one at a time we kind of got up and left. Okay. But I think that that was just because, you know, if they're not going to come back, then why we like, well, I'm not going to sit here and wait to pay for a whole hour. Well, um, uh, yes. <laughs> but, uh, yes. But yes, I felt like that, that, I feel like that has happened to me. I'm thinking of a time I was with some friends at UConn and we were at a mall and that happened. We were eating at kind of like a bonefish grill, stonefish grill or something like that. And that happened. But this was years and years ago. As know, a person. I know you have a story. So as a person who has been in the service industry for a really long time in whatever form or fashion, I am ashamed to say that I once did Dine and Dash, but it was the same situation. So I was with a group of friends. Um, I was in college. Is this when I was actually serving in college? Nah, I had to not. I don't know. But so maybe it was very early in college. And so... We went to this sushi spot and, you know, drank and ate and did the happy hour and all of that. And the girl just was like terrible. She just had a terrible attitude. She took mad long to come with shit. She would never come with an explanation like, I'm sorry, this is nothing. It was just it was just awful. And we were like, we're going to fix her and left twenty dollars in the thing and then left. So and like like ran boots out of there like dust i am very ashamed (laughs) i would like to say to that young lady i don't even know who you are what you look like i don't remember what your name is i don't remember none of that but i would like to put it out there that i'm very sorry that i participated 
in such hooligan ass activities. <laughs> so, so as a server, let me ask you this because I don't feel like I've I've known and I've never worked in the service industry. As a server, when someone dies and dashes, is it does it fall on the server? Or does it depends the on. It depends on the establishment. It depends on the setup of the establishment. So you've got some restaurants I've worked at where they've been like, "All right, nigga, well that's coming out your out of your yeah. money." So like, figure it out. Um, especially if it was due to some sort of negligence, you weren't checking on your table. They saw you goofing off in some other kind of way. But then I've also worked at establishments where they'll cancel the checkout, but you're gonna, you know, they're gonna talk to you and be like, "Bro." Like, how the hell did this happen? And then they also know that some people are just raggedy. So I think it's subjective to where you work, who management is, and so, and so forth. So, But because we don't know the policies and they differ from place to place, I hope that's a lesson. And that, again, this was like, I don't know, I did this shit like 15, 17 years ago. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, I, I would say now, because we don't know what the policies are and they change from restaurant to restaurant, try not to be an asshole and, and do stuff like that. And that's coming from somebody who did stuff like that before <laughs> who did that. It wasn't a practice, though, because my parents did always teach me about how to treat people in the service industry. All right, your turn. Same. Okay. Um, all right. Um, would you rather have endless, endless money or endless love? Hmm. Well, right now, <laughs> in this in this present moment, in this climate, <laughs> right now, <clears throat> excuse me, that's not a drag off. Um, <clears throat> I would say endless love, and I'm not saying that to be PC. Mm-hmm. I say endless love for this reason. With endless love, I found that a lot of my opportunities and things that have come to me have come through networks of people. And that's not to say, oh, I use these people to get to this, you know, to get to this point or whatever, but it's like, it happens organically. So, Key and I were friends, right? I'm not saying we got the number one podcast in the world, but we were friends. I think we do pretty decent for ourselves. We were friends before all of this, and it kind of transitioned into getting grown. Um, Same with XD and I. Uh, you know, I have some really fun things that will be coming in the future that we're getting ready to be worked on and came to a complete halt. But even some of those connections and, and opportunities came through a connection of people that I love. And so, that's again, that's not to say align yourself with people who can do something for you. But with Endless Love, I found through those organic connections that opportunities especially opportunities that i really want have come through that so i'll say endless love oh sorry um Mm. what about about you i i completely agree i think at once upon a time i probably would have said endless money um but i've learned that um you know money is uh just a resource right it's not a source at all mm-hmm. um and it is a tool um and it, and it comes when we when we work it right when we know how to work and we work it in the right ways yep. it is something that will continue to serve us so i'm i'm less inclined to you know endless money doesn't necessarily mean anything to me because when you put money in the right context um it is not everything and i just also feel like when i say endless love 
you know, to Jay's point, we're not just speaking about romantic love because I feel like we get it's really quick, especially for women to kind of go to that place first. Yeah. Um, so when I say I would rather have endless love, I recognize that that could very well mean that I may remain single for the rest of my days. But I, I feel like that that love manifests and in, in, in exists in so many different forms. Right. Right. Um, and it is it, it is demonstrated through my work, through my family, through my friends, through my relationships, um, um, you know, professional, personal, otherwise. So I absolutely would would, would rather endless, um, endless love as I feel like love, love sustains in ways that money can't. So. Absolutely. OK. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. If you could star in a movie, what movie would it be? Well, this is an existing movie, like a like or would it like a like a, a movie that already exists or a movie that I could make? It could be it, it, totally up to you. You could it could be a movie that exists. It could be a, mo- a combination of movies that exist. It could be a movie that you make up. This I'll leave this totally up to you. If I could star in a movie. Hmm. Wow. Um, this is hard. Uh because star. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think of myself. I don't know. Like who would I I don't know if there's a movie that I love enough that I could say that I wanna be in. Like I love the mm. color purple, but I don't want to be Miss Ely. <laughs> okay, I'll answer I'll answer and then while you think about it. Okay, go ahead. Funny you mentioned color purple because I would like to be in color purple, but I would like to play Miss Sophia. <laughs> yes, and, I see it. <laughs> I see and, it. And then my part B is I would have loved to play um the female version of Joe Clark and Lean on Me. <laughs> oh, I would love to be Joan Levias. <laughs> okay, there you go. Right there. I would love to be Joan Levias and Lean on Me. I will also, that's what I'm saying. Like, when I think of movies, I don't know if I want to be the star. I can see that, too. Right. I want to be the <laughs> Mr. Clark. Right? I just want to. And Dustin would be Mr. Clark. Like, that would just, that's how I see it. In I my can mind. see that. Well, then I'll, I'll be Sims then. Yeah. <laughs> can so, you imagine Dustin's quick you smoke I could. Go on and jump. Um, I don't want to, Mr. Ross. <laughs> Um, because I, I was saying I, I immediately thought of movies like The Wiz, but I don't want to be Dorothy. I would want to be Glenda the Good. I want to oh, so be I Glenda. Wanna, I want to sing "Believe in Yourself." Like <laughs> you've got to believe. <laughs> I would play like the Tin Man. Slide some more <laughs> to me. Oh man, that would be. Noah so good. was watching. The, did you so see good. my story? Noah yes. was watching The Wiz last night. Yes, I feel like I might cut that on. That might be some of my uh, my. Uh, at home programming this week because The Wiz is one of those movies that you just can't it get is. enough of. It's a comfort movie. It, it is. It totally, totally is. Um, but I also could see myself being like, um, like I want to be like in a Lifetime movie, but I want to play like, you know, a fairy godmother or like, you know, one of the angels that like <laughs> in a Lifetime movie, like <laughs> that, you know, like Wendy Williams would play the angel in the Christmas. I feel like that could be me. <laughs> I would love that. That was like, and I, and I watched Lifetime movies. So <laughs> y'all would be so sick of me. Can't y'all just see me in the back? Like, no, you know, this is not going to work, right? <laughs> who, wait, who would... Who would be a good modern day Dorothy in the Wiz? You know, I would say this. 
As far as singing or acting? Mm, give me both. Because I have always believed and just go with me, okay? Okay. If you if you if you search on YouTube right now, Jasmine Sullivan started in the Wiz as a child. And she sung when I think of home at like at like 11, mm. 12 years old, better than mm. any grown adult person I have ever heard did. sing it. Of course she And did. I just feel like I don't know if she has the acting chops. But I really feel like I would love to see her in that role. Um, and I feel like she could do it just off the strength of her singing that song alone. Can you imagine Jasmine Sullivan singing You're a Lion? <laughs> in your own way. Okay. I feel like one, we should You're do that one day. We should, uh, we should, because uh, I, I have, you know, before they did the remake on Fox, no, that was a, was that the Wiz? That was the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. But no, they I, did the Wait. No. When the, when Neo was the when Tin Neo Man? was the Tin Man and and Queen Latifah was the Wiz. I don't think that that was or was it? I don't think that was the Wizard of Oz more than was that it was the, the Wiz or the Wizard of Oz. I don't remember. Maybe it was because Amber Riley Amber Riley sung the the breaks off of um. Oh, baby killed it. Uh, what was that song? And she sung the stew out of it. Uh, oh, well, she was she was Miss One. Yes, yeah. it was the Wiz. It was the Wiz. Okay. Yes. So even I know that they've done that, but I have always in my mind curated my own star cast of who I feel like should be the okay, Wiz. Okay, so we're going to do that like, during this quarantine. I, I I just feel like, because I feel like Jamie Foxx would be my um, tent man and Usher or and uh, and Chris Brown would be my scarecrow. Like, I just feel like I could do it. They just haven't asked me. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. let's let we'll have an episode of that a recast and y'all just let us know maybe we can do that maybe we can like if we had to recast movies we had to recast movies give us some movies that y'all want us to recast and we can come up with some cast yeah that'll be fun chime in all right your turn um okay here I come uh what is your most frequently used emoji oh the moon face <laughs> <laughs> The little moon face with the little shady smile. <laughs> Mine is absolutely the little girl, like with the woman with her hair. Like, oh my god! Like that is god. Your, like that's that me. is like, your most used one. Oh my god, that's my most used one. Mine um, is definitely the moon face. Okay, all right. Because everybody's got a little bad in them. What's the last thing you stole or shoplifted? So I have a shoplifting story. I think I might have told it on the show, but I don't I don't know that that I have. But I have only shoplifted by accident. And when I realized what happened, I had an emotional breakdown on the escalator in the mall. And um, <laughs> we were on vacation somewhere and I was with my brother and my whole family. But I remember like me and my brother were together and we kind of separated for a moment because I think I wanted to go into a girl's store and he was like, I'm not going in there. I think it was like Express or something. And mm -hmm. do you remember when, okay, remember, and this was when before Express got beside itself and their jeans was still like $30. Yeah, so I used they, to work there. Yes, yeah, so they had <laughs> some jeans and this was, I know how long ago this was because they were boot cut jeans and there was mm. a promotion that if you buy a pair of jeans, you would get a free Express T-shirt. It was a black yep. T-shirt with the X on with it. With the X on it. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> so I had went and I and I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to get these jeans. 
Um, so I just went ahead. They had the shirts in the front of the store. I had the express shirt. I picked up my size and threw it over my shoulder and I headed to the back because that's where the tall jeans were. So I was back there and I was looking for my jeans and literally just kind of like scouring um, for my size and they didn't have it. And I'm like, oh man, I really wanted them jeans. So I kind of just got my shit together and left and was literally on the escalator headed back down to meet my brother until I reached for my purse and realized that that shirt was still on my shoulder and I started wheezing. <laughs> oh, oh my God, oh. I've, I've stolen this shirt. Oh my God, right? <laughs> <laughs> And my brother could see me having an emotional breakdown. Um, um, and he was like, what is wrong? And when I told him what happened, he was like, girl, if please, this church, he was like, this shirt costs $3. Please. Like, what are you doing? Like, what? and I was girl, like, they're giving it away for free. I was like, what do I do? Um, I was like, I was like, what do I do? Uh, if I, what, if, can I go back in there? Should I bring it back? And he was like, well, we're leaving. So. I mean, it's just your shirt now. And I was like, no. And I was, just, and he was like, well, we are not. <laughs> and I was just so afraid because I was like, they have cameras. What if they're looking for me? And he was like, for this $2 shirt, girl, please relax. Um, so, yes, that was, your my, nerves. that was my shoplifting story. Um, and it was an accident. I'm just a horrible thief. I don't feel like I would do well. <laughs> um, shoplifting I felt like I, I would get caught so the most I've done like the closest I probably got into sh to shoplifting is like you know uh, bringing my own food into the movies or something like that which is no, not at all not stealing no. yeah but it's okay mm, I wasn't really a shoplifter that wasn't my thing I had a cousin who was that bitch used to steal everything and she used to take earrings and shit and put them in her ears and We'd and walk out. I was like, "Girl, you got to stop stealing from places." I felt like it was bad karma, and then also, I just I was like, "Stealing's not my thing." Like some of that, it just don't feel right. So I guess the closest thing to that would be, <laughs> which my coworkers all knew what I was doing. I would order office supplies and then order like extra Clorox wipes and things that I wanted at home, and then take them home. And I, that would be my little cushion stock. And they all knew what I, they all knew what time it was. Like, I even go back and visit them and they'd be like, I know you missed this office supplies. I'm like, y'all know I do. <laughs> y'all know I missed these Clorox wipes. <laughs> y'all know I missed these five gallon waters for my jug when I run out. <laughs> but, you used to steal the whole jug of water? I had a car. So I, like oh we had excess, word. I had a water cooler at home. There was excess bottles of water. I feel like more, I was more so helping the environment. Your turn. Okay. <laughs> I just had to leave that where it was. Um, okay. Um, okay. I'm just looking through, I'm looking through. We can do, let's do two more each. Okay. Would you rather someone always tell you the truth or protect your feelings? Oh, tell me the truth. Because if you protected my feelings and like my breath stings or like I musty, you aren't doing me a grave disservice, honestly. Like if I have a big ass booger in my nose and I don't know it <laughs> or like I got dog shit on my shoe and you, I'm just walking around smelling like dog shit. Like that's that's not right. I feel like that's actually means you're not my friend. So I'd rather people tell me I'd rather be told the truth. 
Agreed. I think I would too, um, because I think one of the worst things that someone could ever say to me, well, I think one of the most annoying things that people say to me that I have been told or I have that has been said to me is I didn't know how to tell you. Um, and I feel Bitch, like people, the way you just told me. <laughs> exactly. Because uh, I understand that some conversations are difficult um, to have, but I, I still feel like, you know, <laughs> To me, lying is is more difficult because, like a, a mm-hmm. you know, a lie that you that you start, you have to maintain. And depending upon the size and gravity of the lie, like I just have never, I've I've always been off put by like, you know, girl, I don't have time to keep up with a lie like that. So we're just gonna have to talk about this right now. Um, so yeah, and I just feel like I don't want people like I can I can handle things. I'm a big girl. And I understand, I feel, I always feel like people who say that they're doing things to protect your feelings are self-serving because I don't need you to protect my feelings. I feel like you're saying that because you're trying to protect your feelings. Um, I don't need you to be to cape for me. Like, you know, unless like, you know, my mom, those kinds of things. And even in those situations, I don't like for people to feel like they have to protect my feelings um, for and, and protecting my feelings is protecting me. Like you can guard me against things. You can be, be there and be supportive to have a, a supportive of me while me hearing this difficult mm-hmm. news, but I don't need you to speak for my feelings in these ways. That makes me, that takes away my agency. That takes away me being able to make my own choices and respond in ways that feel natural to me um, and, and giving me the space to process things on my own. And I think that that is something that is extremely patronizing and, and that, that you don't do to people who you say you care about. That's fair. Okay. All right. We have two more. So here's my second to last. Okay. Oh, I'm going to do this specifically for you because you have 77 degrees. Oh, God. If you could start college all over again, (laughs) what would you do differently? Oh, I think that um, if I could start college all the way over again, what would I do differently? I think that I would um, I would have had. I would have been worried less about what the things that I was worried about. So I think that I wasted a lot of time in college concerning myself with how other people felt about my choices. Mm -hmm. I would have, I I wasted a lot of time in college being afraid of what people might say, people in my family, people who were my friends or who I thought were my friends at the time, um, Mm -hmm. how things would appear to guys and those kinds of things. I think I would have, I would have gotten a little bit, I would have gotten a lot more comfortable in being Takiya. I didn't really get to know and embrace Takiya until I was grown. And if I would have really been me, like me right now in college, it would have been even more lit. Because I didn't have a bad college experience, but I think Mm -hmm. I would have enjoyed it all the more and fully, like really, really taken advantage of it. Um, If I really would have just like kind of cut all the insecurity bull bull crap out and just like, okay, Takiya's here. She's going to get what she needs. Okay. I don't really care how you feel about it. (laughs) Like, I think, I think that that, that's, I think that's my answer. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Um, you know, I'm, I have to say, I'm really glad for how I did my, how I did my college, how I did my college experience, um, working starting in a in a in a junior college you know to do my prerequisites and then transferring over 
really allowed me to not accumulate that kind of debt later on in life. So I'm I'm glad that I did things like that. I know I was busting my ass working all through school, but I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for all of the different experiences I've had, the different jobs, you know, because they make for fun stories and just like different lifetimes and things like that. But I would say like in an alternate world, I would like to see outside of like school debt, because that's probably what would have happened. Mm -hmm. I would like to see what my experience would have looked like if I would have done a traditional college experience, started off at a university and not um, not a junior college, not worked through college to pay for college, but, you know, kind of enjoyed the college experience. I would like to see how that might have shaped things differently for me. Um, because I did not have a tradition. I didn't have your traditional standard college experience. I never lived in a dorm. I never, you know, I never just got to focus on my work and like not have to worry about getting to my job right after. Like I didn't get to do those things. You know, I didn't, I wasn't worried about going to the, going to the, uh, what's the homecoming and shit like that. Cause I, nigga, I was working, <laughs> you know, so while I'm grateful that I didn't accumulate student student loans and, and debt, because um, I see what some of my friends are experiencing, so I'm glad I kind of did things the way that I did. I also would have liked to see how that shaped me differently, having a traditional college experience. I think that's fair. All right, your last one, and then, uh, wait, is it my last one? I don't oh, wait, know. Is, oh yeah, that was me. Okay, so your second to last one, and then my last one. All right. Um, hmm. Okay. I will ask you if you can find out how you were going to die, would you want to know? Yeah. Really? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I would. Cause then it might ease some of, <laughs> I don't know. But then I'm like, do I want it to just, do I want it to just, you know, do I want it to just kind of surprise me? Not, you know what? No, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Yeah. I don't want to know. <laughs> like, I don't want to know. Cause I feel like that would, that would encumber. I don't want to say encumber. Why did I say encumber? I think that would influence how I lived. Right? Yeah. I don't think yeah, I would that's be what I was thinking to, about to shake it. Um, Cause you're think. always worried, like when you're yeah. in a situation that's even remotely close to that. Right. I like, feel like it adds it? an extra level of panic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I if would. I didn't know, it's kind of like, all right, nigga. Well, when it comes, it comes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, my last one. Ha <laughs> ha. All right. What's one secret you're still keeping from your mom? And she don't know about this show, so you can say it. What's one secret that I'm still keeping from my mom? Yeah, or maybe something you've never told her. Oh, my mom doesn't know that my belly is pierced. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, she does not. You're almost 48. <laughs> I think she has an idea. Because I feel like there was one time, it's my mom's souls, you know, so like we had, when my grandparents renewed their vows... My mom made all of the bridesmaid dresses and she took my measurements and she took my measurement around my waist. And I, I felt like she felt it because I like felt her posture move. 
Mm. But she never said anything. And I had never said anything. But I've literally had it for over 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a time. I just feel like it's just not something we like. Why do we need to talk about that? Like, we don't. I know. I know. That's how I know. We don't need to talk about it. It's done. It's been done. Like I said, for 10 years, like, what would I need to sit down and tell her that for? Like, it has changed nothing. So... That's actually what I told my mother when she found out about my first tattoo. Before I started getting very visible ones, I um, I think I got my first one when I was like 16. And I forget how, so I think I told somebody and then they snitched and told her. And she came in to have a conversation with me and I was like, I just what you want me to do? Sixteen is young, sis. Like you are still very much like a child. Oh God! (laughs) I was like, you got you got a special remedy to get rid of it. Like I don't know why. Rhonda would have been like, "Yep," and she would have lit a lighter. Like, yes, bring your arm over here. I'm gonna burn it right off of you. And I dare you to say something. But the one thing my mother still doesn't know. (laughs) So when I was. I think this might have been the same year. Wow, I was really doing a lot. Yeah, I and I didn't even do. do. I didn't do anything. Like my homeboy came over, and uh, my parents were out of town, so they drove out of town, and so my homeboy came over, and um, I was, I think, like fixing his braids and like redoing his beads. This was the time, <laughs> and. <laughs> Um. Oh God! Were you dating Murphy yeah. Lee? <laughs> it was some. It, he was. It was, it was my homeboy. This wasn't even a nigga I was messing with. But Ooh. this was around that time when niggas were maybe a little earlier than that. But like, because I I wasn't legal yet, and I feel like during Murphy Lee's time I was. But regardless, I'm doing my homeboy's hair, touching his hair up and shit. We kicking it, just hanging out, and. It was it was literally like one of those TV scenarios. So we kicking and hanging out. I'm doing his hair. He's chilling, and my parents call me. And there was a reason why I don't I don't remember what it was, but they called me and they were like, "Oh, by the way, we're on our way back." And this was earlier when they were supposed to be coming back. So I'm like, "You on your way back? How far are y'all?" And they're like, "Oh, we just dropping such and such, and then we we'll be there." And such and such lived like 15 minutes away. <laughs> Maybe 10. So, or we just dropped such, whatever it was, my parents were like 10 minutes from the crib. And I was like, bruh, nigga, get your shoes. You got to go. All you got to get out of here. I had to like, you. you must leave. I had set the furniture in some kind of way where it was easy for me to do his hair and watch TV. So I had to hurry up and flip that. Like it was, I was like, oh my God. But because it wasn't, it wasn't a big romp. It's not like I was naked and like, you know, it wasn't one of those it wasn't that, but he had to get his shit and get the fuck out. And I was yeah, like, you've got to go. And to this day, my mother does not know. Um, Cause it was one time that he actually did get caught in my house. So there was, <laughs> but there was, that was the one time he was over there and she still never knew about it. All right. Your last one. I don't like any more of these. I feel like I'm trying to make up my own. Um, what? You don't want to know about my sun, my moon, and my rising? I mean, you can tell me, but I feel like you <laughs> no, me and then I don't know. 
I know. That's why I didn't even put it in there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. These questions are, are they for us? They don't seem to be for people of color. No. I thought some of them were, the ones we did were good, but. Um, what is, okay, let me ask you this. What is one thing that you hope that Noah takes away from, um, like, as your daughter, like, what is one thing that you want Noah to remember you as? Like, my mom is, you know, this. Like, I could always, no matter what, my mom is going to, or my mom does, or whatever. Emotionally available. Yeah. You know, I, I, was, I had a bunch of stuff running through my head as you were asking that. Because I was like, well, you know, I, even with my mom and her issues and our issues... I super respect her hustle or like, you know, I think about that or how she did anything for her child. But then I'm like, okay. But I, I, you know, I'm trying to also think of something that I might have needed that I would like to provide. And so I want Noah to always, I would like to always be emotionally available for her. Um, And I know that's going to be hard. That's going to be a challenge Mm -hmm. because, you know, as a parent, you are going to react a certain way to your child telling you certain things as opposed to you hearing it from somebody else. But I would much rather her feel comfortable knowing she can always talk to me because I'm open to hearing her. I think that's really important and that's something that I want to... I work very hard to make sure that we start now and then maintain throughout our relationship. I think that's oh, and I, of course, you know, I'm only in here parenting Maurice Greenleaf. But should I, <laughs> should I actually become a mom? I think along those lines, one of the things that's most important to me is a level of transparency, and I, I want my my I would want my child to to feel safe. You know what I'm saying? Being his or herself um, mm-hmm. around me at all times, and I felt like in this like super my mom my mom still is you know, one of the most selfless people I've ever, ever known. And she just has the capacity to kind of be all things to all people in mm-hmm. a way that really fulfills her. Like, I don't think my mom is, well, I don't I want to speak for her, but she does not do things in ways that to me suggests that she is exhausted by the way mm-hmm. that she serves our family. Like this is, this is something like what she feels like is her life's work. And I have a lot of respect for that. But one of the things that I would have needed, um, and this is not a shot to her, but I would have wanted my mom to be more open and apparent about the things that were challenging and difficult Mm -hmm. and hard for her. Because Mm -hmm. I think the things that I'm working on, even in my adulthood and just being, you know, grown up kids, I feel like I have this something oftentimes unattainable standard or expectation for myself. And I think it's because, you know, my linen closet is never going to look like Rhonda's. Like, you know what I'm saying? There are, there's just, there's just certain things, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to reach, you know, I'm, I'm never going to make a bed like her. I'm never like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and 
I would I would have wanted her to be honest, more more honest, or maybe things did just come easy for her. But I would have loved to, for her to be more open with me about the things that she struggled with, and how she learned how to do the things that she did does so well. Because you know sometimes this 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 perfect this perfect mom thing, this perfect woman, this all things in place. It's it's awesome and it's amazing to be able to kind of have that Claire Huxtable figure in your house. But yeah. I also would have loved to know, you know, how my mom managed stress and anxiety, if she managed mm-hmm. it at all. Um, and I hope that my child um, would be able to see, to have that balance of transparency um, in me, I hope to be that person who has a high standard, but is mm-hmm. also open about the pro- the process of what it takes to achieve and sustain high standards, and that and and hope to give space in my relationship, um, in my relationships. You know, let people to know that it's okay if if everything is not perfect all the time. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well. Hopefully um, that creates some conversation. I know a friend of mine and I were speaking on the phone the other day and she was like, sorry, I haven't called you, but I haven't had anything to talk about outside of coronavirus and my financial situation. And I'm like, same. So that's so real. I think that, uh, I mean, I I was talking to Felicia and Keisha earlier about like how like I have had to be more, much more diligent around what I take in, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Who I talk to, what I listen to, um, because I really have just felt inundated. And yep. since just being in here by myself with less distractions, you know, really kind of lets me know that I, I have I have bad mental hygiene and I got to work <laughs> on those things. I got to, I'm trying to take this time to work on really like, I feel like God is almost giving us like, okay, y'all said y'all want to take care of yourselves. You want to practice self-care and find boundaries. Boom. Let me Here put you, you in the most ultimate self-care position. Here ever. you go, sis. I'm going to sit you <laughs> in your house and tell you that you, you will die if you step outside. Okay. And told you self-care is not in the form of pedicures and eyebrows. Yes, and honey, because you can't even get them. Because you can't do no massages. <laughs> like, can't do none of that shit right now. So let's talk about doing? some real self-care. Let's right. get to the root. Y'all been out here getting facials and your heart is all jacked up. <laughs> Why? Let's because all you've oh, you been watching, you've been scrolling on the shade room all day and they're talking about your self-care <laughs> is, is getting a pedicure. And it's like, oh, no, girl, you got to get some of that garbage up out of you. Okay? I'm like, I was like, duly noted, Jesus. Got you. <laughs> Message received. Okay? Got it. I'm clear. <laughs> I hear you, universe, ancestors, everybody. Like, telling you don't me. got to. I mean, it's loud and clear. Y'all can even ease back a little bit. I've learned my lesson. Like I'm, mean, listen, my nigga, it's in my face right now. Be like, ready just, to make some changes. You know, <laughs> just give me a little break right now, cause I'm, you know, it, it got slapped right there. I promise you. Um, but yeah, we hope that this is able to help create a little conversation with friends or with you know, if you're doing the interactive dating or what have you. You know, send us some if there are specific things that you want us to talk about during this time. You know, maybe this is a good time for Key and I to get back into trying to do a book together or yeah. something like that. You know, trying to take in things. We try to really switch it up so that we're not inundating you with COVID talk. Um, but yeah, let's just, you know, hopefully that helps. And let's move on to this honesty box. OK, getting into debt is easy. My God, getting out of debt is hard. 
especially if your credit score isn't great. Thankfully, there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score. So as we all know, uh, you know, creditors prey on people who are young and, um, you know, impressionable, like many of us, right? Many of our listeners. And I have definitely fallen into the creditor's trap and out here swiping cars, spending money that I did not have and looked up and found myself in a state of debt that I needed to navigate my way out of. And if I would have known about something like Upstart.com back then, I think that I would have gotten a little bit further, a little bit faster. Um, But I absolutely think that Upstart is a great mechanism for those of you who may find yourself in the same position. Um, So Upstart actually rewards you based on your education and job history in the form of smarter interest rates to help you pay off higher interest credit card debt. They make it fast, simple and easy to check your rate. And since it's just a soft pull on your credit, it won't affect your score. Once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off their credit cards and meet their financial goals. You can free yourself from the burden of high interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into just one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is top ranked in their category with a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot. So hurry up to Upstart.com slash grown to find out how long how low, excuse me, your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes, so check it out right away. Upstart.com slash grown. Honestly? Truly. Okay, so the honesty box this week is uh, unlike any other honesty box we've had. Oh. Kia does not know what it is yet. I'm scared. Um, so I'm interested to hear your, your response. Uh, but I thought... Yeah, we'd never had one like this before, so I definitely thought this was this would be interesting. Um, and you get you said it early, but we, we're gonna call her we're gonna call her Freddie. Okay. So she says, "Dear Jade and Kia, this is a long one, but please hear me out." Writing from Vancouver, you oh. could call me. Oh, she said we can call her Sunny, so we'll call her Sunny then. Okay. Okay. So it's taken me so long to write this, but I've wanted to get both of your input on this for a while. It's a painful topic for me to dive into, but I think it's important that I get two grown black women's perspective on this. Before I begin, I want to beg you for your 100% honest opinion. Put me in my place if need be. What I need for healing and growth is some good some good GD honesty. I don't want to fit nobody <laughs> in perspective from intelligent black women like yourselves. I'm ready for any answer. I'm All writing right. to open up about my struggle with racial identity and defining myself and navigating this world in my mixed race. Okay. Some context. My mom is white and comes from a line of very quote unquote pure. They just really like each other. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Icelandic blood. My dad is black. I would compare. uh, It doesn't matter what complexion he is. He's black. Um, I know that my grandpa is half Hawaiian and half black. And my great grandmother was a slave as far as I've been taught. They don't really know much about their ancestry beyond that point. For her and my great grandfather, they weren't around. I have never let met, never met my father. He came to Canada from the U.S. with a fake passport, met my mother when she was 18, dragged her. Um, mentally, oh, she's been, oh, her mother suffers from mental illness, dragged her into a big drug trafficking scene or scheme. I won't bore you with the details, but shit got crazy. I ended up being conceived in a hostage situation and was almost born in jail. But luckily, my mom got free from it all because she wasn't at fault. 
That's so interesting. Uh, her father was incarcerated. She mentioned her mother uh, became a drug and alcohol abuser. Um, so it that they had you know a couple issues growing up. I have some good ties with his family there in the states as well as what she says. Anyway, I was raised by my white family, but we do have extended family and in laws who are black, and my family always made sure I had some time with them. I'm really light. I have freckles. I have very curly, frizzy hair, but not super coiled. That doesn't matter. My white family is extremely progressive, accepting, and respectful. They always mentioned growing up that I could identify as black. This includes some of my black family on that side, and I didn't agree. I felt it was wrong. I was aware from a young age of the unfairness, mistreatment, racism, and appropriation that black people faced, and I felt silly and childish to check that box while having the privilege of looking white. That said, I had a few incidents like people in our community where she's been called derogatory names. At one point, a neo-Nazi type neighbors hung a child sized noose outside our door and kids uh -huh. at school would laugh at my hairstyles when my hair was natural. But that was, you know, that was what she, to the extent of what she went through. It went over my head. I never thought anyone saw anything but white, even though I never connected entirely with this white side of my family. People often ask me, what are you? But that was the extent of me feeling non-white aside from the hair struggle. So fast forward to being 19 years old, I'm an R&B alternative musician and I started getting gigs in Vancouver and found myself getting overwhelming support and love from the black community there. I started to get offered gigs for shows featuring specifically black artists only and having several 20 and 30 something year old black artists offering and, and to mentor and befriend me. They all seemed to view me as black and treat me as part of their community, even though as far to affirm this to me without me mentioning it. While initially I felt like I could breathe for the first time, the guilt fled back in and is running strong. What if I just branded myself this way without thinking, or it's my style of music that made them accept me? My boyfriend is black and has always seen me as black and says he could never date a white woman. He's mentioned that it almost makes him feel kind of weird when I don't always sing along and say nigga in songs when all I play is old school rap and soul and funk, etc. <clears throat> Yet still truly fear identifying even as part black. I know this is in part because I see how white folks take and take and take again from black culture without end. They want the music, the complexion, the butt, the lips, the food. They want the sympathy and the character and the community, but none of the hurt. They take a profit of it all without ever giving back, righting their wrongs or respecting black history whatsoever. I fear that somehow my white family secretly is part of this, but they've done nothing to prove that. The last thing in the world that I want to do is benefit off black culture while I knowingly benefit from white passing privilege. I wish no more hurt upon black women today or ever, and I can't sleep at night thinking that I'm stealing anything more away from them. My aunties and cousins, my friends and role models, I can't lie. I yearn to have my place in this community because a part of me feels so much more accepted and at ease in it than with my white family, but maybe deep down there's a nasty part of me that is just trying to take. So plain and simple, I attached some photos and I want to know if you two think it's appropriate or not for me to allow others or to identify myself as black. I always say mixed, but even that is hard. I just want to do the right thing and it causes me deep confusion and I don't want to act dumb. Please set me straight from the heart, I beg you. So yes, and that's from Sunny, a.k.a. Freddie. Sunny, I don't... <laughs> I feel ill-equipped. Do you? Um, because, well, I just, I don't know. Maybe it's because I don't know if I should say, I don't know. So I'm, I'm going to say this. 
So I, I'm, I'm, my questions, my question arises around. So Sunny herself does not, or or at one point did not identify herself as a black person, because she felt yes. like she looked white and as such had the privileges of you know white identity. Yes, while also understanding the um, mistreatment uh, of black women and not wanting to disrespect that by, I guess, identifying as such out of disrespect. That's what I gathered. But she has a black father. She has a black father. She doesn't have a relationship with him, but she has a black father. And she is now finds herself in community and in relationship with black people who identify her as black without her having to identify herself as black. Yes. So I guess my, my concern is, you know, I understand that like, you know, there's just a, a lot a, a lot of complexity in the diaspora um, and that, you know, I guess I say I, I was trying to be real PC. I guess I'm thinking that she Sun, said, Sunny, "Give it to her straight and keep it Sunny funky looks. With her. I feel like if black people think you black, then you black. Or like I just I just I'm struggling around this like hesitance around like whether or not I can not. I shouldn't say that. I think she's saying because because and she's saying that she identified as white because she presented as white, but. But That's saying, actually not the case if you had neighbors and shit hanging nooses on your door. Clearly, they saw that something was different. Absolutely. So I guess my I guess what I'm thinking, everything that 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 Sunny shared in her letter leads me to believe that um, her mixed her mixed racial identity is apparent, and like mm-hmm. while she felt like she carries, uh, you know, um, she looks like a white person and therefore has you know, access to the privileges of white identity. There are members of, there are, there are white people who do not mm-hmm. uh, think that she is white. Um, so I guess my, 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 I guess the issue for me is like, you know, you have a black parent, uh, whether or not you have a relationship with a black parent and you are, are identifiable as a person of color or a person of mixed race. And I, I don't think that there is a burden on you uh, where you feel like you are doing something wrong by identifying with those aspects of your um, identity. Um, I think where it is, like, I don't know. And, and I, I'm, I'm struggling because I feel like, you know, I get the impression that you think that blackness is, is certain things. Yeah. Um, like that you have to embody blackness in a certain way in order to be black. You have a black parent mm-hmm. and you are I di- like, you know, you looked like you don't look fully white or fully black. You look how you look. And regardless of how you look, you have a black parent. <laughs> so you yourself have some black identity. You might not be as aware of black culture um, mm-hmm. as as other, uh, you know, black people. But that doesn't make you any less black. Um, and it no. doesn't mean that you identifying as a black person is not appropriating anything you, because you're not trying to be black. You are black. You are black. You're not, you don't yeah. have to act a certain way in order to be black. You are black. You have, you have you and and the ways that you exist are still black uh, or mixed. And I feel like I am often, you know, I learn a lot from, you know, 
I have friends who are mixed race and are studying, you know, um, you know, students who identify, you know, as, you know, biracial or have mixed racial Mm -hmm. identity. So I'm learning a lot about what that identity group, their experiences and, and, you know, what are, you know, their perspective. So I'm not speaking as someone who understands what that's about, but I Mm -hmm. guess I have learned through their work and the things that they study and present that biracial identity and mixed race identity is not necessarily like the sum of its parts. Like it is an identity in, in and of its own, like Mm -hmm. who you are, how you were raised, what your experiences are, those things like your, your whole cultural experience consists of all of those many different parts. So you don't have to pick sides. You don't have to be half, half black, half white. You can be mixed. You can be biracial. And that in and of itself is an identity group and a cultural group that has its own um, perspectives and vantage points and um, things like that. So I don't, I guess I, I feel like I don't, I don't want you to feel like you, that you have to, that you identifying as a black woman changes anything because, you know, I, I am of the belief uh, that regardless of, because there are those of us as a black woman, regardless of how I choose to identify my, my appearance identifies me. Mm-hmm. So I think that there are those of us who don't have the luxury to to choose. You know what I'm saying? Um, and as such, I'm of the belief that, you know, you are who you are. Like, you know what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. are you are sunny with a white mom and a black dad and you lived in the world how, how you've lived in it thus far. And you're re- you're in relationships with the people that you're in relationships now and you do the things you do and you say the things you say and you do what feels comfortable to you. And that in and of itself is as much a black woman as I am. Yeah. Um, because you're not trying to be a black woman like me. You are being a black woman like you. Am I right? Right. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I um I would have a problem also if you were uh I guess first of all, you're you're you you like Kia said, I think you identify blackness in certain ways that may right. not be. Um but also <clears throat> I feel like you're you're you also acknowledge a lot, which is good, you know? Yeah. I joke, I laugh, I say I'm darker than what I am. But we all know I'm a very, very pale-skinned person. Um, I know that comes also with its own set of privileges um, in society. I didn't write those rules. That's that's what happens. You know what I'm saying? But I have to be mindful and acknowledge that. At the same time, <clears throat> um, I would have a problem with you if you were trying to adopt or embrace the support of the black community, which, again, you are a part of. Um, but I would have a problem with that if you went out of your way your entire life or went out of your way to emphasize that I, well, I am also half white. Like if that was the emphasis and it's just like, oh, but now I'm about to use niggas to make my money. Like that would be a problem. But it seems as if the struggle you're having, you, there's no need. You're black. You're a black woman. Um, like Kia said, you, you, okay, you're a mixed woman. You, you identify as mixed. That is, that is a thing. People who were raised with two completely different cultural backgrounds. You weren't raised with your 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 father, 
but you are a black woman. And so, like Kia said, you exist in the world the way that you do. And I think that that acknowledgement is important. Understanding that privilege is important. It's, it ain't no different than white people. It is different than white people because it's not the same amount of privilege, mm -hmm. but there is a privilege. So acknowledging that and acknowledging, you know, some of the ways in which, you know, we're affected as black people with this, those sorts of things in our community. I think that's, you know, that's enough in making sure that we don't perpetuate that same behavior, making sure that we acknowledge and talk about it and don't act like it doesn't exist. But for all intents and purposes, you're a black, you're a black girl. You know what I'm saying? You just you just have a little bit of a different background than another black girl. And I, I got freckles and, and, and wild frizzy hair too, but we got two totally different experiences. I say, nigga, you don't. I feel comfortable with it. You don't. And that's fine. And that's okay. That's all right. Like right. we're two black girls who exist in this world in different ways. And I think everybody's experiences is what makes them beautiful. Now there are things, there are issues, there are problems, there are uh, systemic things. There are all kinds of foundational, there are there are issues that we have within that community, but I think it's important that we address those issues. But I also see us trying to move, you know, address those and move in a different direction with them in this new generation. There's still issues that exist and they're going to exist for a while. But I think as long as we acknowledge them, we talk about them and, and, and try to find ways to combat those. That's the important thing that you focus on. Not for whether sure. or not you were raised by your lily white mama. With and, her, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's also okay for you to, um, like, if there are things that you want to learn about, uh, you know, black culture, um, you know, because I mean, more than just appearances and mu music and, and movies and food, mm -hmm. like there is, uh, there is something to being black in America um, that, you know. Well, you know she's in Canada. Well, 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 sorry. Well, being well, well, being black, right? Just being black, period. In North America, I don't know. But yeah, there you go. But I do, I do feel like there, there are things that you that you could learn about, like what it what it's like to exist and um, experience um, black blackness in predominantly white spaces, um, oh, yeah. and and in that and, and I mean that may inform how you know you feel, what you feel comfortable with, and what you feel comfortable doing, what conversations you feel like having. But I don't feel like you you should have you should have to feel like you need to change certain things about yourself in order nah. to embrace or embody, you know, a part of who you are. The fact of the matter is your father is a black man and you and as a as a result, you carry his DNA. You carry, you know, you carry blackness, you know, and it, and it may show up and, and um, you know, feel different or look different or be different in different spaces yeah. you find yourself in, but it is still, it is still blackness, right? Um, and, and maybe I was just going to say, I was encouraging you to kind of like read up and kind of inform yourself on what the perspectives of, you know, other mixed race people's, uh, mixed race persons are and how they have navigated these things, um, these experiences and come to identify in the worlds and the ways ways that they do but uh and not them willfully ignorant ones who talk about the beauty of being mixed because that don't listen to them they don't know <laughs> I, I mean I just I just feel like there is just a lot of information tragic mulatto militia I can't with them <laughs> it is a lot to take in but I think yeah. all of these things and I'm not saying that you have to adopt everything that you read but it's just about making uh, informed choices and um under, and, and getting more understanding so that you can you can determine what are the ways you want to 
move in the spaces that you find yourself in. Because it's not by accident that you feel comfortable amongst black people because you're black. It's not it's, you're black. It's, it's not. not a, it's not by accident that you feel comfortable. It's not lost in a on us that your music right. ain't, you know, yeah. is going in the soulful direction, or all your nigga these, is yeah. black, or oh, right. saying your man is black. It's not. It's not a, like. And I mean, he didn't know you was white. <laughs> right. Or, or he was like, saying, I'm not dating a white woman. I'm not what? dating a white woman. I don't <laughs> date white women. And now, now that's a whole other conversation because, yeah. because you know. But either way, <laughs> I feel like we have exhausted this, and I'm sorry for rambling. But uh, Sunny girl. Step on over and sit with with the black girls, honey, because you are one of us, um, and wear that proudly. Um, and you know, it's it, like you can. It's a both and. You don't have to choose. Like you can be biracial and black. You don't have to be biracial or black. At least right. as far as I know. And if there's a biracial person or multiracial person out there who wants to correct me, I'm open to that because I can Hi. say. How you <laughs> doing? No, you good? <laughs> Because, honey, I am mixed with black and black earth. Okay. You good. Nah, I'm I'm very black. We are all black. We are all black. Multicultural or not, we're all black when uh, when it comes down to it. You a black girl. Your man said it. I'm not dating no white woman. I'm not dating a white woman. Did you you hear me chuckle? I was like, oh. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> and and also, please keep in mind. We'll move on, but please again keep in mind that blackness doesn't doesn't look one particular way. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So like, and this goes for anybody who feels like that. If you were raised in the suburbs of Milwaukee or wherever the fuck I don't wherever, and you weren't really you're one of those. I wasn't really raised around you know other black girls like that. And you feel bad about yourself because you can't quote color purple off the top of your head. That's all right. It doesn't make That's you okay. any less black. It don't make you less black. So, yeah, we got to kind of get away from that. It don't make you less black. And somebody like Kia or myself, we're not going to shame you. Yeah. I mean, you know, like maybe there will once be I'll things, ask you if you've seen you color purple. You know what I'm saying? Or like, I'll <laughs> ask you who made the potato salad, who made the peach cobbler. But you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like these, but they're yeah. all, you know, it's all in jest. No one's ever going to say, you know. Get out of my house. It, unless anything, you put like carrots in the potato or, salad. Or raisins or something of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I feel like you are sensitive and attentive to the things that you need to be when it comes to appropriating or overstepping your boundaries. So I would, I would encourage you to kind of maintain mm-hmm. those sensitivities as you continue to inform yourself. Um, but, you know, embrace embrace that part of you um, and don't feel like you can't because of There's who your There's also humor is. in being black. Absolutely. There's I mean, humor in it. You can't deny. We don't get to pick who our parents are. Like, you know no. what I'm saying? Like, your mother is who your mother is. Your father is who your father is. And therefore, you are who you are. But you choose. You get to choose how you show up and what that mm-hmm. means um, in the world. So... I hope that that Absolutely. was helpful, and I really didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to drag you. I don't think you needed a dragging. You didn't need a drag, but you, you know, you just needed some perspective. That's needed, all right. You know, somebody. I hope I helped. I hope we were helpful, Jade and I. I hope we were helpful. But you're a black girl. You're a black girl. Like through and through. All right. Continue to send your honesty box questions to Getting Grown Podcast at Gmail dot com, And uh, we can move right on along to this black woman self-care. I deserve All right, it's time to talk self-care. And boy, don't we need that. Mm. Um, I think that uh, my my self-care was a twofold. I think one of the things that I've been working on 
especially during this period of social distancing and all of this time that I have to myself, I have been really um, intentional about having um, boundaries and guarding how much information I, I ingest and what information I ingest because I've noticed that I was really just exhausted by the amount of information I had to process on a day-to-day basis, like watching the news, hearing all of the COVID updates, all of the messages and conflicting messages around what we should and should not be doing during this time, how fast this thing is spreading, whether or not it's going to get worse before it gets better, how long we going to be quarantined, <laughs> um, and all of that, where there's no toilet paper, everything is this, and things, you know, all we, you know, people are buying guns and everything else. So I don't know. I just feel like I reached a point of saturation and I was very intentional this weekend about, about limiting the amount of news that I ingested. Cause I used to be the person that just had, you know, notifications set up on my phone, my computers, just kind of getting these uh, real time updates about what's going on in the world. But, you know, getting those up to the minute updates about how death tolls arise and started to wear on me. Um, so I've had to really take a step back and, uh, you know, understand that, listen, if something is really going down and I really, really need to know, I'm going to know. Somebody that I love is going to call me and make sure that I know. So I don't have to, to check Twitter and check hashtags and watch mm-hmm. the news. I have been, I, I decided that I was going to refocus. I, I, I started watching Grey's Anatomy again. I picked up a season five. Yes. And I'm, I'm just going to just watch it because it's 15 seasons. I feel like that'll ride me straight through to, hopefully to the end of this thing. But um, I've, I've, I've been doing that. I have been conscious around my, my sleep schedule has completely evaporated with social distancing because I feel like I have fallen in love with the nap again. Um, and when I'm tired or overwhelmed, I'm, I'm quick to just lay it down. And I used to shame myself for that, but now it's just like, nah, that's just a part of it. We just going to work these snaps in to the day um, because they make me feel better and that's cool. Um, so yeah, uh, being conscious about what information I'm taking in and um, have being flexible around my schedule and um, allowing myself the time that I need to recover and I also went outside and took a couple of walks this week. So I'm hoping to continue to move my body um, and get outside and have fresh air um, during this social distancing time. And that is one of the things that I've been doing um, for my self-care. I love it. That's important right now. Um, these are important things to think about. Mine is kind of twofold, too. Um, so the first part of it was... So we mentioned it briefly in the beginning. D Nice has been throwing these. The he, he calls them jam homes. Jams. Quarantine club, club, club quarantine, quarantine is what he's calling it. The homeschool series where he is literally DJing for hours upon hours. Um, he's been doing it since Thursday. My sister put me on, and so the first time I logged in, I was telling Tristan he had maybe eight, nine hundred people in there. The next day it was like 19. The next day it was like 15,000. The next day it was 35,000. And the next day after that it was 150,000 people. Yeah. Um, and I, I use that opportunity. So I know all of us are doing endless cooking and, di- and dishes right now. Um, 
So I was like, you know, I need to do some prep where I'm not standing in the kitchen all day, every day, trying to make lunches and breakfasts and dinners and all these things while everybody is at home. So I sat and I did some meal prep all day yesterday and I just let it play on the speaker and like had a really good time while I did it. And it was nice to be unplugged in the sense where I wasn't looking at my phone. I wasn't looking at the TV. I found myself find myself watching less and less TV anyway. But looking at news or like reading news outlets, or it was nice to have that time to just unplug, not think about what music I was going to play next, not mm-hmm. think about what I was going to do next and kind of just be. And it's kind of cool, even though this is a really scary time to see all these people come together and like, it's just dope what D-Nice did. He could have put this behind a paywall or whatever, but he's been doing this nonstop every day so that people are just like, they can get outside, get outside of what's going on for a second. And I think it's really dope. So that's part of my black woman self-care. But the other part um, speaks to kind of what you were talking about earlier, you know, we're all, you know, we're getting bad news constantly and we don't know how long this is going to last. And there's a extreme level of uncertainty and, you know, we're not true. We don't trust the government and we don't trust all the news outlets. You don't know everything that's going on. It's just like constant information. And we've n- literally never dealt with this before in our lives, <laughs> you know? Um, and so it's re- it can get really frustrating. And f- I had to take a second to think about all the good things to express gratitude for the good things in my life. So I was like, okay, we're quarantined in the house, but we're still able to take walks when it's nice outside. And we're still able to spend a little, we we can spend a little bit more family time together. Yeah. It's exhausting homeschooling your children, but you get to spend a little more time with them. And I'm like, I have a fully stocked fridge and freezer and pantry. And like, you know, just, Little mushy things like that, but I was like, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to have a home that I feel comfortable in. Yeah, there's things that I want to do to it. I've talked about that multiple times, and I'd like to use this time to to do that as well. But I'm grateful for where my house is at right now. I don't hate being at home. Same. So I'm grateful that I'm in a space that I like, and I'm grateful that I'm with people that I love, and I'm grateful that I have a fully stocked fridge and pantry and food to cook, even if I'm tired, you know, and I have, you know, Netflix and things like that. This could have been a different time. We didn't have none of that shit. And kids was playing with rocks and sticks. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I'm grateful for those things. And I wanted to express that gratitude. And that's kind of where I'm trying to put my mind when it starts to get too inundated with the things that are going on, because it's just easy to do right now. Um, so yeah, that was my black woman self care. I love to see it. Let's get on to these petty peeves, though. Okay. And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister, because everybody know I can be real petty. P E to the T T Y, honey. All right, it's time to be petty, and I am ready. Okay, so. As we're practicing social distancing and many of us are working from home, a lot of our meetings are now virtual. Um, And I I just want to raise that there is some etiquette and things uh, that are associated with the virtual meeting space. Um, And as someone, you know, especially when you got to realize people are using headphones and things like that. And one of the things that we don't want to hear through our, uh, you know, AirPods or whatever um, headphones that we're using, we don't want to hear the contents of your mouth. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is that you have, if you're chewing, if you, like I was, I was on the phone with a woman today and she had a cough drop or something. And I could just hear that thing clacking up against them teeth. And I wanted to literally bust her in her face. <laughs> um, because it was rude and distracting and disgusting. Um, but I'm off this very woman also, uh, you know, is in, you know, the, the, the target of the second half of my twofold petty pee for the day. Um, I had a meeting with, uh, an older, uh, black woman and, you know, we talk a lot around these generational differences, um, mm-hmm. on this show, but one thing, um, you know, and I had to kind of contend with that today. Um, I I was talk spoken to like I was a child today, and I understand that you know I present younger than I am. Um, but in this case, this woman had access to my personal file. She knew my she knew my age. She knew my profession, and she knew that I was grown. But it was just mm-hmm. the she was a a woman who was on a power trip and was really obsessed with whatever level of authority that she felt in that moment. And she took every occasion to make me feel small. And it was something that was really hard for me because I was dealing with a personal matter and she was assigned to be my counselor and advised me through it. But, you know, she was just really talking down to me, talking to me as if I didn't understand, explaining things, using jargon. And when I asked clarifying questions, she was just really being snide and rude in her responses. And it it really triggered my anxiety because I, I, mm. I um, like was frustrated. And, you know, especially with with social distancing and different circumstances that we find ourselves in like you know I felt like the conversation would have been better navigated in person so that she could really kind of see me and respect me but whatever um for whatever reason we were on the phone and her tone was just really trash it was patronizing it was condescending and it was clear to me that she she just thought that she was talking to some little hood rat girl named Takia (laughs) and regarding because she wasn't familiar with me or with my case um she was just really being rude and nasty. And um, I just couldn't, I just couldn't, um, I couldn't fade it. Um, it was really the worst. Um, so talk to people like you got some sense. And um, the end. Well, that sucks. And I hate the way old black women talk to us sometimes. Um, my sister was kind of talking about that the other day. Uh, in regards to my mother, she was like, I feel like she has a really hard time figuring out that I'm an adult, even though I'm well into it. And it's like when I emphasize that to her, then she uses that like, oh, well, yeah, I know you're an adult. I know you're an adult. But is it, y'all got to stop. Stop it. Y'all got to stop talking to people like that. And just talk to people with decency in general. Children are not. And I think that's also a generational thing and how we're trying to change stuff and how we talk to kids. It's not about like a child needs to be in a child's place. I, I understand there are things that are not for children, but talking to talking to them more like humans instead of talking at them might help to like change some of that behavior for how you talk to people who are younger than you, even if they are full grown adults in the future. But anyway, I commend you on not cussing her out. I really did try. You did. I know. Um, My petty peeve this week, um, it's just really for people who act like they're the only ones who are going through this. Mm -hmm. Like, 
you know, they got attitudes or whatever, you know, the way they speak to people, maybe that maybe that lady is frustrated and because of the situation of what's going on with today or having to work remotely and she's got to figure out how to turn on her computer. I don't know. But my problem is for people right now who are acting like they are the only ones who are dealing with this. This is a pandemic, not an epidemic. It's a pandemic. Okay. And shit is all over the world. And literally it's impacting so many people, all of us, each and every one of us in some way it's impacting us. And so I just keep in mind, you ain't the only one who's dealing with it. Like, I also understand getting stir this and this does not apply to people getting stir crazy in their house and then like you end up going off on a family member. <laughs> Cause I know we're in 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 high anxiety times. But um, you know, as far as dealing with the rest of the world, everybody's working from home, everybody's dealing with the same frustrations of a lack of resources, everybody's kind of everybody's navigating this thing the best way that they can right now. And so we need to keep that in mind when we're dealing with other people. And stop acting like you're the only one who's dealing with it. And that's it. That's my petty peeve this week. Agreed. Thank you guys it, so much for listening yeah. to Getting Grown. Um, we appreciate you guys for um, being here to support us, right? As we, we, as we endeavor to create spaces that support each other as we are navigating the ghetto that is adulting, especially mm. um, these days. So we love you guys for listening. Continue to Support as you always support. Um, you can find all things getting grown at gettinggrown.co on mm-hmm. Al Gore's interwebs. Um, and we look forward to you guys reaching out via comments and emails and letting us know how you thought your thoughts and feelings around this episode. Um, and yes, it's if there's anything you all want to talk about during this time, you know, let us know. We're, we're, we're open to hearing you. So continue to send your honesty box questions, your petty peeves. Maybe we'll do a petty peeve episode. So we'll do like collective petty peeves again. We haven't done that in a while. Um, but yeah, hit us up. This is community. So hit us up there. All the ways are in the description box. Please don't ask. Cause that's going to get on my nerves for <laughs> transparency. Okay. Uh, we're saying it. It's in the description box. Literally like it's there. But we love you and we thank you so much for supporting us, especially during this time. Um, you know, we're going to, Kia and I are going to keep bringing you content as long as the electricity is on and the Wi-Fi. So, sure. you know, thank you all for supporting us. This is this is what's paying the bills right now. So in the meantime and in between time, I know your hands are dry as hell, uh, but continue to wash them. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> tell, tell them what else is. Continue to wash them. Continue to drink your water because it's important that we stay hydrated in these last and evil days. Continue mm. to mind the business that pays you um, because, you know, we can all use the extra money and um, uh, always and forever moisturize your skin because your black will crack if it's dry. But if it's cracking now, that means I trust you. That's right. Bye. That's <laughs>